our mental health featuring PTSD, SLP. Hey everyone, I'm Maria. I'm Deb. And here's our podcast. What's it called? SLP's Wine and Cheese. Yes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. And if you could just take the time to just review us on iTunes, we would really, really appreciate that. Maria, how would it make you feel if somebody would review us on iTunes? Oh, I would love it. And it really just sparks joy. Yeah. I would be thrilled. Do you know, I didn't get to tell you this. I'm glad I'm going to tell you right now on live on air. Uh, When we were reading Emmy G or Meg's review, that Mm -hmm. was Gail. Oh, that thanks, was Gail's Gail. review. So thank you, Gail. Thanks, Gail. Yeah, she texted me. She was like, that was my review. I was like, oh, I had no idea. So Wonderful. Yeah, we'll shout you out for your great review. Thanks, Gail. You know what else is great? Mm-hmm. This wine. And, yes. you know, our listeners know we've spoken about this wine before. It is a bread and butter, bread and butter, a Pinot Noir, and it's a 2017, which, you know, I'm thinking it was a good year. You know, yeah, why not? Like a good year. Napa, California. That mm-hmm. always sounds fancy. Yeah. Classically styled Pinot Noir grown in California and crafted to be enjoyed with good food and company. And I mean, I'm just going to toot my own horn here. I made some chicken today. Yes, thank you. I yes. Very what did hungry. you think of my chicken? I thought it was very good. It was moist. It was flavorful. Yes. I think the key is to marinade Mm -hmm. and then whatever I had, I just threw it in the marinade and I poked a lot of holes in it. That's good. And I use scissors because I don't like to touch chicken. I have like sensory issues. Uh I'm like, "Ah," you know, makes sense. Yes. Um, I use the chicken, the kitchen shears and I cut a lot of it into strips and made it made them thinner because I don't have the thing that you bang with the hammer, the hammer thing. Do you need that? I mean, do you have I that? slice it, but slice. my dad does beat the chicken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So speaking of like home type of stuff, we want to talk about gardening, right? Yeah. And or plants. Houseplants. Or house plants or, you know, all the above. Yes. So Deb, I feel like you're like expert level into this and I'm like beginner. So I don't know mm-hmm. like who should go first here. You well, know, would you want to go first? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, living here in mm-hmm. an apartment, which where we are right now, yes, I'm like nice. ready to get some plants, you know? Okay, cool. So we started with the beginner plant here is the polythos kind of plant. I is it really, pathos? Is it pathos? I should know the exact name of it, but it's polythos. Well, pathos is one of my favorite plants and it's on my list. And I do think I know your plants and I'm pretty sure it's a pathos plant. Oh, the one that you saw in the bathroom? Mm-hmm. The bathroom. You mean the bathroom? Put them in a batch. <laughs> put it. Put it in the bathroom. Yeah. Um. Yes, that was our first plant. Is our first. Actually, technically, let me go back. I have little moss balls, mm-hmm. right? So I went to this um, gardening store upstate, and it was so cute. You know, like always check out local gardening stores. That's yeah. what I. That, I'm gonna add that to my tip because we want to give three tips for gardening. Oh, okay. Check out local gar nurseries. They're called. Yes. 
fun vocabulary word I also learned. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, for everyone who's maybe in the beginner stages here, nurseries are not what you might think for kids. They're for plants. Mm -hmm. So nurse, so check them out. Just walk right in, talk to the people. I feel like in my experience, the two I've gone to, only two so far. Right. Everyone's so nice in there because I feel like you're just Mm -hmm. passionate about plants. Are they out of town? Yes. So Maria lives in a neighborhood in Brooklyn, which I'm rather familiar with because I used to live here. Um, actually, I lived in the neighborhood next to this one. Yes. And there's a nursery actually on Third Avenue. Okay. No, Fifth Avenue. Fifth. Fifth okay. Avenue. Not the one around um, here. I'm thinking. It's Fifth Avenue and like 83rd Street, or between 83rd so and 84th Bay Ridge in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. And. Uh, this woman wants to know what ever, what is your intention with her plan <laughs> before you leave that place. Like right. she is not yes. interested in your endeavor. Right. She no. is. No, no, no. She wants to know like wh- where is the plant going? <laughs> What's your level of experience? Like wh- what is your apartment lighting situation? Like she is not interested and she won't sell you a plant. Wow. If she doesn't think you're suitable. Not going to go there. Well, you should. It's very good. I like how abusive people are in South Brooklyn. Wow. There's I'll also check a pizza out, place where they like just insult you. To total. Like in Coney Island. <laughs> you so. didn't hear. We didn't say that out loud. Yeah. Beep edit that. <laughs> That's okay. Go get abused. The woman's great. I love <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> one time Mike got a soda from the fridge and she said, who told you to get that? <laughs> Mike's like, no one. <laughs> she was okay with us when we went. She, was just yeah, she must have been tired that day. She must have been tired. It was a Sunday. <laughs> she probably had a long week, you yeah. know. Well, but sometimes they don't. They're only open Thursday to Sunday, and sometimes they don't even open on Thursday. Oh, they're okay. Like, never mind. Never mind. I think they like a like a, a money laundering front that just happened to get good at pizza, and now they're just so annoyed that they like you know. There's like this demand. They wish they could just be like in a quiet little. pizza place (laughs) meanwhile there's a wait outside yeah anyway so we digress anywho my first starter plant gateway plant here was these moss balls so you literally just have them in a jar and they float around in the water and you just change the water and eventually fish tank yes it's it's not but um there's no fish in there and they're just moss balls and they just float around so anyone you just want something like nice on your desk or something just Mm -hmm. google like moss balls and you could sure buy them online so those are great those are great starter ones Mm -hmm. and then the polythos am i saying just pathos why am i saying polythos i don't know you're trying to make it greek (laughs) not everything's greek maria it is though but (laughs) uh the pathos plant is good because it grows like down like a vine and then you could like kind of like you know manipulate it your actual plant it's a golden pathos that's it yes yeah and i've seen that if you leave it in the bathroom it can get like little uh water molecule water droplets on it that absorbs from the shower so you don't have to water it as it doesn't require that much water anyway no but it'll take the water and the moisture from the shower so that's great and then you just have life in your bathroom yeah and i read on pinch in this pinterest article that having bath uh plants in the bathroom is very nice it gives it that spa like feeling you know so i'm all about that and then i'd have to have a full shade one in mind because you have a window i don't yes but it's like not a good window it's not like a high i was hoping so because i was using your bathroom and i saw the window was open i was like is this an alley window what kind of window right yeah it's not a typical window (laughs) 
And then my third plant that I really want to get now is a lavender plant, mm-hmm. but also a snake plant. So I just combined those two. Those so, are good. So I have a snake plant. Yeah. So you tell us about your expert level snake plantness. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't call myself an expert because I don't know that many facts. Like I couldn't answer so many right. questions. Okay. Lots of things that I do with plants is based off like looking at them and touching them. Mm. And um, so so um. What I do have to say is that I love lavender as well. I love lavender scent and I love lavender color. Um, I've never successfully grown and maintained lavender. Really? You're crushing me now. Yeah, they love full sun, which is very difficult to achieve in Brooklyn, especially you live in a lower level apartment. Yes. Um, I couldn't even keep it alive in my backyard because my backyard has such big trees that I don't get full sun. Wow. I'm going to try this summer to put it in my front yard in a pot. And you plant lavender by your gate for luck. That's oh. what you're, that's like, you know, a myth and stuff. But, um, but you, you need full sun and you need very good drainage. So you need to water that plant very deeply. And then it needs to be able to drain all the way through. So, like, it can't have any pooling liquid mm. staying in the soil, but all the soil has to be moistened wow yeah so lavender is not easy yeah that's probably why it smells so good you know yeah it took so hard to get there Mm -hmm. what about the snake plant then the The snake plant you cannot kill that's very so yes you can also like if you don't have an app and if you don't have like access to like some sort of stick inside the plant wherever you're buying it and it doesn't give you information like someone's not abusing you when you're going to buy it right yeah like if that person's not interrogating you (laughs) right um what I found is that if you touch a leaf and it's like very thick and hard, like it probably doesn't need that much sun or um, mm-hmm. water. It's like a very hardy plant. Yeah, because it holds the moisture. Yeah, I guess. Right? I guess. Um, the sunlight Mm -hmm. it holds everything in but i've kept my snake plants by the window right now they're in my office on the ground and they're doing fine they're doing well so that's not a bad plant to get and you could you could have several in this apartment and do well with that yes um thank you that's my next plant good i'm on a mission but my favorite plant. Yes, so expert level now. So I'm not really. So I feel like you are. I'll tell you three plants I like, which okay. one is the pathos, which okay. you already know. Um, and that's actually a symbol of happiness. I didn't know that. And it thrives in full or partial shade. So that's why it's a great plant. It's quite easy to maintain. Um, I If I touch the soil and it's moist, I leave it alone. If I touch the soil and it's dry but I feel the leaves and they look nor they look nice. Then mm-hmm. I'll, n- I'll water it like the next day. Mm, good rule of thumb. Yeah. And you spray them. I spray lot. them all every day, every day, probably See, multiple times a day. I've been I spray nervous everybody. to spray them. Why? I don't know. I'm like, I don't want to drown them. You know, No, you spray the leaves, spray the leaves. Does that do anything though? Yeah, It makes it happy. It does. It's like, it's mimicking rain. Don't mm. you see when you're in the produce department and like they, yes. they hose down all the plant vegetables. Yeah, I also talk to, to the plants sometimes because I heard in a study mm-hmm. that it's true that they feel the energy of the people and the positivity. I'm sure I, I, don't, I don't talk to my plants, but I, I do mean, in my not? brain. I touch them a lot. Okay, so you're I'm still radiating that energy. I pay a lot of attention to my plants. You I think do. that my energy is just like physically somehow like projected onto them. Yeah, well, if um, they're in but your I don't room. talk to them. Okay. Well, you sh- you might as well at this I point. Could. They listen to us talk, probably. There they do. 
So, yeah, I spray them all the time. Um, and if I touch the soil and it's moist, I leave it alone. If I touch it and it's dry, but the leaves look good, then I leave it for one more day. And then I water them usually like once a week on the same day. Mm, but I touch smart. them all every day. So if something like drank more water for some reason and one because I have a lot of self-watering pots, too. Oh, wow. Um, so this is this is expert level. I don't think so. But I don't know that much for about me, plants. I guess. Um, so my favorite plants that I have are the pathos plant which i said is a symbol of happiness nice i love my swiss cheese plant even I'm though i don't like swiss cheese interesting but flavia does yeah um this is a great plant it's those plants that it's got like big round leaves that have slices in them that's why it's called like swiss cheese plant oh um and it needs it likes full shade and average water it's a great vertical standing plant it's good in full shade so you can have that plant here i'm gonna have you to put look it in into the corner that. right there yes. it would be happy because that like window probably gives you some light sometimes it does um you just move the bl- open the blinds up yeah so i would definitely recommend that and then um, another plant I love is my prayer plant, which mm. is another symbol of happiness. Um, the legend says that the pattern on the plant was left there by an angel kissing the leaves when it comes to earth. And everyone who grows a prayer plant will live a happy life. Whoa. And um, so Swiss cheese and prayers. Yeah. I can remember that. And golden pathos cheese again yeah, that i got it right so i'm ready i'm yeah. excited for it to start growing like a vine and then you could direct the vines make it grow down like a linen closet or grow down across yeah. a, a window or mm-hmm. wherever you want to put it i don't know yeah on a shelf you know i have yeah. like probably 12 pathos plants in my house i really like and them. you direct the vines to go downward you know only like one of them so far oh, the rest okay. they're going down on their own but one i have going across a wall yeah so you can like kind of mm-hmm. move them around that's cool um the prayer plant is also great because um at night the leaves go up and they look like they're praying and during the day they open up really wide so during the day like the plants like pretty wide and like it's got these nice green leaves with like this like leopard pattern. Whoa! But then at where night, have I been? It comes together like a prayer. Can't so it's a very s- sweet plant, and I I want more. I haven't seen that one on Pinterest because you know you know Pinterest, right? Yeah, I've you been get on that. sucked into that. Mm-hmm. So, I've well, been you should you should create a wall of like partial to full shade plants. Yes, that's what you need to stick to. I know. Um, lavender though needs full sun, well drained soil, water deeply and infrequently. So, but you know me, I gotta try it anyway. You okay. know, yeah. I, you know, I, mean, I gotta have to do it anyway because mm-hmm. I'm very determined. Yeah, you, you could know? just get dried lavender and hang it up upside upside down on your wall, or just a lavender oil and get a diffuser, which I already have. But yeah. you know. I, I gotta Lots try it. I got so you know, I gotta think about that one. Maybe I'll just in the meantime get the Swiss cheese and the prayer plant. Yes. Take it from there. Mm-hmm. And the S- snake plant, you can get that. Great. So please hold for a quick commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Therapy Travelers. Therapy Travelers is a school staffing agency that places SLPs, PTs, OTs, school psychologists, special ed teachers, and behavioral interventionists in local and travel school districts. Their mission is to attract, empower, and retain the finest therapists so that every human can manifest their potential. Check out the show notes for more information about Therapy Travelers. 
This episode is brought to you by The Sensory Studio. The Sensory Studio is a pediatric private practice with two convenient locations in Staten Island, New York. Traditionally, The Sensory Studio offers school, center, and home-based speech and occupational therapy through private medical insurance. Right now, The Sensory Studio is offering teletherapy sessions for speech and occupational therapy through a simple email link to all New Yorkers. Please email them at info at thesensorystudio.com or call 718-979-5678 to reach their parent coordinator. Also, check out the show notes for more information. And now back to the show. Hey everyone, it's Maria Katsonis here, and I am sitting virtually with the one and only Rachel Arshambo, or you may know her from her Instagram handle, PTSDSLP. Say hello, Rachel. Hi, Maria. How are you? I'm great. Just relaxing on this Tuesday night. How are you? I'm good. Also relaxing. Uh, now my dog is under my feet, and we're just chilling. Sounds great. I love dogs. I have a dog too. So before we talk uh, more about you and your background and your story, let's talk about what we're drinking. So I have uh, this Health Aid Kombucha. It's a bubbly, a bubbly, excuse me, a bubbly probiotic tea, and it's the flavor of Pink Lady Apple. And it's super healthy for you. There's like live culture of yeast and bacteria, which is very good. And I'm all about the health stuff. And this whole month of March, I'm not drinking any alcohol, just as like to give my liver a break. And I paired it with this Plymouth cheese and it's a peppercorn cheese. It's very fancy. I got it from Vermont and it was rumored to be one of Oprah's top cheese picks. So when I heard that, I was like, give me this, just, just bring it on down. You know, just going to eat all the cheese. It is very good. So I definitely vote drink it for this cheese. And yeah, for this tea, I don't know what's going on with me. See, yeah, this is why I need to take a break from alcohol. Perhaps it's, it's, okay. it's a Tuesday night brain. That's what it is. I don't even know what's going on, man. But <laughs> uh, I vote drink the tea, eat the cheese. So how about you? What are you drinking? Are you eating anything? Tell us. I am drinking Oakley Thinyard Sauvignon Blanc straight from the bottle. I saw uh, that. Very, <laughs> very badass, I might add. Thank you. Um, and then I have some like burrata cheese pearls. I've been really into that. Some people at work are on this keto diet and they they gave me one of those and I've just been like popping them like M&Ms. It's amazing. Wow. So they're just like little balls of cheese. Yes. It's, it's little mozzarella, tiny pearls, they call them. And wow. it's delicious. It's like easy snacking cheese. I could eat the whole thing. Yeah. So how do you feel about this keto diet? I tried it for like a month just because I like to see what, what it is. And I, and I did really well on it. Um, I just, I'm such a foodie. I wouldn't like to be on it long-term. I'm not a fan of restrictive diets like that. And I feel like it is very restrictive, but I have food trucks downstairs from my house two weekends a month. So I can't resist like a little downstairs or like tacos. So I tried it. I respect it, but I'm not into it. Not for you. 
-hmm. I think that's great that you're the type of person that is like, all right, let's see what the hype is all about. And then instead of just like someone like me, I'm like, I can't do that. I can't cut out carbs that cut out carbs for that long, you know, but you actually gave it a try. Yeah. So I'm glad that I, I got to try it. Cause now I can't like put down anyone else. Like I mad respect for anyone that can keep that going. Cause it is really difficult. When someone walks by me with a slice of cake, I want to steal it from them, but right. Um, it, it's good. And I've seen results. I've seen my coworkers lose like 50 pounds more than that. And wow. it, it's amazing. So if it works for you, good for you, but I don't need it right now. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, because I don't think you have 50 pounds to lose because I've met you in person and I don't think you have that much extra weight or any extra weight at all. So, but it's, yeah, it's not even about the weight. I know that a lot of people do for health reasons too. Like someone I know who's very thin, actually, I'm going to throw her out there. Katie, our OT, our OT on the, that we had on our episodes she did it and it actually like lowered her cholesterol too. So like for that reason, that sounds great. So that's why it's working for her, but everybody is different. You know, Yeah, I know someone with arthritis that it really um, helps their symptoms and they didn't have as much inflammation. And for him, I totally understand doing it. So I'm happy for him, but I I like my carbs, you know, (laughs) I hear you. Let's get a cheers to carbs, but also healthy eating. You know, can we get, can we sneak both in there? All right. I'm going to have tea while you drink from the bottle. Rachel, as she takes that sip, I'm like impressed, you know, this is actually laziness. (laughs) Okay. A a glass. Yeah. But you're saving the environment, right? One less water to to wash the cup, you know, good for you. So Rachel, tell us about you, where you went to undergrad, grad school, where are you working? Oh wait, sorry. Sink it or drink your wine. I drink it. I like it. It's light. It's refreshing. Mm -hmm. It's good. Yes. So are you a white wine or a red wine drinker? Um, It doesn't matter. And I think that's just because I like my drinks cold and I feel like red wine comes not cold. So I don't give it a chance. If, if it's at the table, I'll drink it. Um, but I'm actually more of a beer person. Oh, yes. You talked about that. Yes. yes. So you don't have beer today though, but that's okay. No, I had, a, I had a Bud Light in the fridge and I was like, no, I can't <laughs> do that. I'd like to be more fancy yet. I'm drinking from the bottle. So agreed. Good choice. Solid choice. Awesome. So tell us about your background and how you got into speech and all that fun stuff. I'm very curious to know. Um, so I am a two-time grad of university of central Florida in Orlando, um, which is right where I met you at ASHA. Yes. Um, that was the first time I'd been up to Orlando since I graduated pretty much. So it was nice being back there. Um, I was there for a little bit under six years total. Um, what's the name of the university one more time? Cause I think you got a little like voice issues with this audio quality. University of central Florida. Got it. You went there for undergrad and grad school, central Florida. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. And then, so now where are you working? I am at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and it's my fourth year there. 
Okay. All right. So you're still fairly new to the field, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Right. Okay. So tell us about your school and uh, where, how it's really developed your interest, right? Which explains like your Instagram handle. Definitely. It was kind of something that I was thrown into. Um, it, I, I wouldn't say that I've ever had like a passion before, but this has become a passion out of necessity. Um, so for those of you that are unfamiliar, I work at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and that had the um, mass shooting on Valentine's Day 2018. And so that it's, it just was the two-year anniversary last month. Yes. Um, so really what happened was like, although we've had school shootings for the last 20 years or uh, when Columbine was... Um, everyone says there is no rule book for it, but there really should be some sort of rule book to tell us what happens when this goes down. And we were just really unprepared for everything that happened after. We did have um, Paula Reed, who was a teacher at Columbine High School, come and talk to us. And she was able to predict everything that was going to happen to us. Um, oh my goodness. I have goosebumps right now. Yeah. And I remember talking to you about this at, at ASHA and you were just so focused in on me and like, I, I, I really appreciate that. And of course, I think your story was incredible that you, I mean, not only like live to tell the story, you know, but that like, this is like safety. This is life. This is yeah. as an SLP who works in a school and you hear about school shootings and you're like horrified that this is even happening let alone yeah. it happening in a school where kids go to be safe. And now you're like, Oh my God, it's like you've lived through that. So if you could just, right. if you don't, as much as you want to say, if you could like walk us through that day on two years ago on Valentine's day, the day Absolutely. of that. Sure. So we start at seven forty in the morning. That's when the day starts. Um, we actually had a, uh, staff meeting before school that day to talk about an upcoming code red drill, which is active shooter or something like that. Um, the principal that was talking to us was saying that it was going to sound very lifelike. So we needed to be prepared for that. And we were like, all right, um, at nine 30 that day, we had a planned fire drill. So the fire, you know, working in schools, it's just like a routine. You walk out there, you do it. Everyone is annoyed. It interrupts your lessons It ever, everything. So we walked out there, um, the winter Olympics were going on. So I was streaming that for my high schoolers all day. We're, we're Floridians. So a lot of them have never seen snow and they didn't know any of those things. It was a great discussion. Um, at right around two nineteen, at the end of the day, we end this school day at two forty. uh, the fire alarm went off again. At that time I had one student and another teacher in, in the room with me. And the fire alarm went off and I looked at them. They both gave me an eye roll and I was like, let's go move it outside. And uh, we have sort of like an indoor outdoor school that my door opens to the outside and I have to uh, go down a flight of stairs. When I opened the door, none of our security was in the places, their posts. No one was in the right spot. So I was like, all right, this is a little weird, but we had just had the meeting that morning that I was like, kind of prepared for this. And then I heard wow. gunshots. So, um, and at I, that moment when you heard like the gunshots, like, 
are you like, is that a gunshot or is that like, like, did you even like register that that was a gunshot or you just registered like that was a loud noise? What was that? I knew it was a gunshot. I didn't know if it was real or fake because I know that the track coach had like a blank gun oh, to start. Oh my goodness. So they told yeah. us it was going to sound lifelike. And I was like, that's it. That's the lifelike sound. And when I was getting together all my context clues of what was going on and I saw that security wasn't where they needed to be. And I looked over and I saw some stuff by the building. Um, I immediately knew that this was a real situation. People were running. I grabbed my girl's backpack. I threw her back in my room. Um, the other teacher went running to go let other kids in because our instructions are to lock them out because we don't know who the assailant is. Right. So that's like a hard lockdown drill. Yes. Right. So okay. I go back into the room, me and the other student, that teacher comes back with two random kids. I don't know. So right. that, that was about two twenty one. I was in my office until five thirty. Oh um, my gosh. And being an SLP, you know, we're always stuck in these little closets. So my room was probably... I don't even know the measurements of it because I'm not a math person. Right. But um, it, it was a security office meant for like one person. And I would fit maybe four kids in there for a session. And these are big high school boys, you know. Right. Um, so it was a very limited space. And I had huge windows. So the plate above the room said security. And I don't think that they were looking to evacuate that room. I'm not sure if they knew anyone was in there. But we were in there for a really long time. Thankfully, all of us were safe. Um, and it, it wasn't until after, I mean, the night of up into the next like three days, we were still finding out who were the injured people, who were the, um, who were the deceased. And we, three teachers died and the rest of the 17 were students. So it was, um, it, it was a, the worst day of my life, yeah. but it's also become such a passion of mine to talk about how SLPs need to be aware because my situation was so different from many of the teachers who had had up to 60 kids in a room and I had three, you know? No, I can't imagine like just how we, anyone was feeling that day. I just like can't even imagine that. And the fact that you like had your room and you were safe in that room. Like who came and found you guys at five thirty? Um the scared when you heard that knock? Like did they you know, I'm just like putting myself in that position and I don't know if this is hard to talk about. No, it's or not. okay. I'm actually like super comfortable with it and I and I like to present on this. I want I want to have SLPs especially hear this because I think they think, oh, well there's none of us when reality now there I have a group chat of like four of us that have been oh, through this my um, so we we support each other on hard times and and in good times and um the police the there were so many squads that came out and they knocked on my door for the second time because we stayed silent so they just wow. went to yeah but then saw everyone else being evacuated and I actually had another teacher text me and say where are you okay and had been evacuated immediately like the fire alarm went off so half of the school that didn't hear anything left for what they thought was a fire drill right. then there were the other people involved that were stuck in the rooms 
Mm-hmm. So that teacher, I credit Miss Briggs uh, for getting me out um, because she told an administrator who told a, a police officer who then sent a squad like 10 minutes later, maybe, and they got me out. Thankfully, right? You didn't spend more time in there because... No. Oh my gosh. And what the what a relief, right? When you see like a police officer there and yeah. so that was... I think I was in shock, honestly. I, I didn't mm-hmm. feel... I, I know that I'm calm now in stressful situations I always thought I I would be um or I did for any other stressful situations that couldn't even compare to this but in that situation I also became like the responsible person and um it wasn't until the morning after that I was just sitting at breakfast completely numb that I just started crying for uh, I didn't know why and it's that finally it sunk in yeah. and you process what just happened and what yeah. you just endured and, and your coworkers and the students you work with and just a tragic event. Yeah. So, wow, that was, thank you so very much for sharing that. And I really um, appreciate your honesty and like you coming and like talking about this on air. I don't think it's an easy thing to do. So I really like cheers to you on that <laughs> just to add some, some funness. My, my tea is empty. I'm going to refill my tea. So then you were saying a speaker came. What I didn't catch her. I don't recall her name. <laughs> I had too much tea already. Who was able to predict what would have happened. And I just can't believe that. Yeah, it was you more know, like so. she was a teacher at, at Columbine. And right. she said in the year after, oh, they're going to, it's going to become very political. It's going to be uh, this, it's going to be this. And we were like, no, fine. And then all of a sudden it became highly political. Like you see now the Parkland kids, there's very divided views about, oh, those kids shouldn't be talking. They're too traumatized. Or they say, wow, those kids are so amazing. They're, they're the best. And depending on their political views, they feel one way or another. And it, it, that is the hardest part about working there. The the media still is especially now with the anniversary was there more like media coverage there was that day but thankfully in the past year it it's it really hasn't been a problem for a while it was and the community thankfully reached out and was like guys stop oh good. <laughs> you need to stop doing yeah that's that's rough um just like because on top of everything you got everyone involved went through then you have like interview I mean of course this is an interview too but being hounded right where kids are just want to go to school and that's like where kids go I think sometimes to escape might be like what's might be going on at home and school should be like that safe place you know it was also very triggering to to drive into work to see the news trucks parked outside that would immediately like send teachers and students back for me i i wasn't triggered by that i was just like ugh, get out of here um but other people got into that feeling of that day or that time after and it was too much and it was hard to learn and teach when that was going on absolutely so you went back to so i so what happened like the next day was the school closed the next day we students were out of school for two weeks we staff was out for a week and a half we came back a little bit early to get reintroduced we had an open house to get all the students back on campus in like a comfortable way with their parents Mm -hmm. um 
And honestly, for the rest of that year, that we came back the beginning of March to the beginning of June, um, there was very minimal academics going on. Um, and that was some, some classes were coloring, some were dealing with being back on campus and had beanbag chairs and just, it was about reacclimating. And then some were back to, here's an AP class and we have a test to do and it's high school and there needed to be some sort of balance to that, but it all, it depended on what the teacher was able to do, what the students were able to do. And you're not going to please everyone. That's one of the biggest things that I learned is no matter what you do, you can't please everyone. Yeah, absolutely. That goes for anything, but especially this instance and everyone has a different reaction and, you know, this is grief that you're going through that of the students that decease, but even just like, grief counts that anytime I actually in like a grief uh, support group and grief actually is an emotion and it's something society is not very equipped to deal with right we know about like being happy and like being sad and being mad but like grief is that emotion where we just like don't know what to say when someone passes away or we just like we might say things like oh you know just give it time but that's not necessarily true either yeah Right. Um, I mean, you could speak to that, but um, anytime that your expectation is like not met or is just like you have a grief for that. So like these kids are going to school expecting to, you know, go to school and graduate and go to prom. And then this happens. That right there is a whole shock, let alone, you know, one of their classmates wants to hurt them and their friends could have died, their classmates. So just, there's just so much and just so many layers. Also the fact that many of yeah. them are high school students or we have freshmen that are 14. You have seniors that could be like 19 years old and they're on different wavelengths and they, their parents are on different wavelengths. Get over it. You're not going to therapy. You're going to therapy. It's just, it's so different for each kid. And it, it, that was another hard part of it is knowing what your kids needed without stepping on the, the lines of what the parents are telling them they can do or how can you help each kid? Absolutely. So then when you like, so after that event, um, so you had to go back to work and you're an educator, but now you're also are a human being who's also yeah. going through what they're going through. So how did your therapy change, which I'm assuming it did. It did for okay. sure. And, uh, one of the, I remember seeing a little bit after on one of the SLP Facebook groups that there were wildfires in California and someone posted, um, how am I supposed to care about a kid's lisp when our entire community burned down? And that was like, so on point with what we were dealing with there was how, or why should I care about a lisp or an R when there, you know, friends are dead, teachers are dead, and and it's a different situation. So I really, that went out the window and counseling, like, how can I help you? What do you need from me? Are you ready to work on? It was each kid. I gave them choices. What would you like to work on today? Um, okay. So very, um, not, not even really child directed, right? Because some of these are like 18 year olds. So client directed therapy. Yeah. Okay. So definitely client directed therapy. And then if the kid just didn't want to do anything, like they were like, they were like shut down, 
what did you did you experience that actually any kid who just was like nothing I don't want to do I don't want to be here I had some that were like that um Mm -hmm. and I uh someone donated these um these little beanbag things with different emotions on it. So I would give the bag to them and just let them kind of put in a row or however they wanted to organize that. And then we would discuss that after and try to get some of their goals. But that wasn't like anything that I was concerned about their vocabulary skills or, um, but that's really how I found my passion was trauma informed education because they think that Parkland is a, very rich, very white area um, that these kids must not have experienced trauma is what you would have said to these kids before. There's there's nothing that these kids could have gone through because they're rich. Um, I have heard that before too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, why are we comparing whose life is more miserable? Like, why why don't we all just try to move forward? But I have heard people say stuff like that. Like, oh, right. what do you know? And it's like, well, what do you know? <laughs> you know? Right. And, it, and it's interesting that I, I've heard other SLPs say that to me, like, oh, I'm, well, they're rich. Like they're able to get these, um, these, um, like services. And, and I'm like, that is very true. But also like many of these kids had different and different trauma, not just the, the specific trauma that happened to all of us on the same day at the same time their parents have divorced. That is trauma. They're, it's, um, some do have food insecurity. Um, and that age group is so, so prevalent. Yeah. We do have free and reduced lunch and people don't think about that when they think of Parkland. We, we do have, um, students that have experienced terrible things. Um, students with tons and tons of siblings that are taking care of those siblings. And, you just don't think of that. You don't think that these kids could have anything wrong going on in their life. So that was the biggest thing to me is I want to make sure that us as SLPs that don't know each child's background, like we don't have a book on each of them. We don't know what they've gone through as much as you think you do, as much as you think you're a great clinician and can get things out of them. It's not up to be trauma detectives. We don't need to pull that out of them. And, um, we, we just need to be their safe space, whatever they need from us at that time. And that's the trauma-informed education. And I am going to be presenting on that at the Florida um, ASHA thing, FLASHA. Um, in, oh, cool. I'm going to be talking about trauma-informed education for beginners. And that's why um, on the Instagram, um, I, I talk about trauma-related things. And I relate my experiences to like me being triggered when I feel like I'm doing fine, me being triggered out in the community, something that I have to control. And I want people to say, oh, that's a 27-year-old woman that's having trouble. Think of what the 14-year-old at that time was dealing with. I need them to relate it to me so that they can relate it to their students. And you like, and who better to teach this class? Because like you went through the same trauma they did, Mm -hmm. right? Like you were there too. And as, as, as an employee too, right? Like this is your place of work that you thinking you're going to go and be safe and you want to get in there. You want to do your job. You want to be a great SLP. And then look what happens. Right. And like the same thing with the kids, like they wanted to go to school and learn and 
it's just after you know it's a tragic event it's i'm so like i apologize that that happened you know that and that you're brave enough to share it you know i feel awful mm -hmm. that you know that happens around the world and just in our country so just not to get political though just to no. avoid that i just like don't i don't want to talk about politics on this show let's talk about slp life so yeah. now that like you know it's still two years which i think is not a long time but now let's say how this school year is going do you feel like your therapy is more about like i don't know like do you still bring up the trauma i mean some kids may have graduated so like how does your therapy look now? So I have two grades left that were there that day. Yes. I have my 11th and 12th graders. My 12th graders are my babies, but they're also, I was, I was like a ninth with them. That's the first year I started. So they're my first group. I've had ninth through 12th. So I already had a bond with them going in right. and I just allow them to pick the conversation. If you want to talk about it, fine. If you want to go to, um, we, we have a wellness center on campus. So if they feel like they need to talk about it with someone else, but they understand that I know what they go through, but also being an SLP, I have a limited caseload, not in SLP terms. I've got a lot, but compared to teachers that in high school have like 200 kids. So I don't have, like, I'm still meeting kids. Like there's people and there's teachers and students that have never seen me before and they don't know my story. And then they're like, how long have you worked here? Four years. Oh, so you know what we went through and they automatically trust me. Um, and that's a weird bond that we have and they're not so welcoming of new, new staff, new students. It's uh, there's a split that you understand or you don't. Right. Yeah. I could see that. So the culture of the school obviously has of course changed drastically from that too and that's also again <laughs> encompasses your job now too because you're working in a school so just to yeah. be aware of the culture of the school and um how that can influence how your therapy looks <laughs> right yes. so if it's a student that went through that trauma with you and they want to talk about it that day whatever lesson plan you had that day is going to go away right i'm assuming yeah. yeah it's it's like we work on these things when we can but i won't ever shut them down for needing to get something out i they have so many questions and they're esc students like there are sometimes that i i have one student with such bad anxiety that comes in he sees something in the news he's got alerts on his phone that anytime our school is mentioned in the news he comes in and he's like what does this mean I'm like, all right, we're going to talk about this. And you're also going to come back later for another session because right. we didn't get anything done today. So, right. Yeah. Do you and feel I, like, oh, sorry, as an SLP, you maybe in your um, grad school, but also like CEUs, like maybe we weren't, we're not like, we're not counselors. So like, do you think as SLPs, we need more counseling um, training? Yes. And I actually at ASHA saw the director of UCF who was there, I think my, my last year he came in and I went right up to him and I was like, we need to have more mental health training. And I thought he was going to put up a fight and he goes, you're absolutely right. Yes. Agreed. I'll Thank sign that. Time. And, um, but yeah, as a field, we, I felt unprepared. I didn't think I was going to go into a school and then I ended up in one and then I loved it. Douglas is actually my rival high school. So oh, I felt to the community already, but um, 
us as a, in grad school, there was nothing on mental health or um, preparing us to have those conversations. And we need to have that as a mandatory course at the very least. Absolutely. Yes. And a lot of the, even like just thinking like in another sense that, you know, we're working with clients who have communication deficits. So like they feel upset about that. They have a limited expressive language, let's say, so they can't always express themselves. So even at, at that point or parents or caregivers that their, uh, you know, their loved one just had a stroke, how are we going to work with them? We can't just you know, walk into a therapy room, like, all right, this is what we're doing for speech today. Like, you know, this is a human, I feel like I say this a lot, like we're human beings, like we're working with people, like we should have more training on that, (laughs) right? Like how to interact. And do you feel like you did a lot of um, your own uh, training outside, like your own, do you have any resources that you found helpful? Um, I actually find Instagram the most helpful. And that's part of what I um, I follow so many counselors, so you guys don't have to, I like to see what they say about trauma, like to see what they say about abuse, um, and just anything that we're going to come into contact with. And I'll post that as a story. I'll post that as if someone has a question between stress and trauma, I'll post it. But I also have read a lot of textbooks or, uh, books via audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Nadine Burke Harris, who, she did a TED talk. If you're familiar with her name at all, would be probably from the TED talk about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. And that brought trauma into like the modern culture. Um, and she's the first Surgeon General of California. And I think she's brilliant. She wrote a book called The Deepest Well. She's on Armchair Expert as a podcast guest. I think she's brilliant. And um, I love what she has to say about just uh, as educators dealing with it, because she's a pediatrician. So they should be treating it differently than we should. We are not trauma investigators. And she makes sure to say that, that we're not supposed to be going in saying like, what's wrong with you? What happened to you? We don't do that. Right. So what do you think our role is? What is our place as an SLP? Our if place not is- investigators. Sorry. I, I, I air quoted investigators. <laughs> I don't know it's- why. I think we're supposed to be that safe place and to know what to do in that place, to know how to ask questions. Active listening is the biggest thing. So instead of leading them somewhere or putting words in their mouth, we are supposed to be there to say, okay, and like encouraging them to move on. We shouldn't be talking so much. And that's hard for us as a profession, I think. Um, But we need to be mindful about how we respond to things and you don't know everything that's kind of to put the brakes on agreed yes i like i mentioned earlier do like um it's a short six-week series but it's like a grief counseling group short support group and uh the woman who leads the group her name is maria too um she said like picture yourself when like another person is talking like you're like a heart with ears and you don't have to always risk yeah you're a heart with ears (laughs) And you just, you don't have to always answer and you don't, unless you really feel the need to respond, like you're really, your biggest job is to just like sit and listen and give that. A lot of people really, they just want to be heard, you know, and, and you can't like tell them how to feel right. Like you're, 
you don't want to be like, oh, so you're, you know, you're pissed off that there's a news camera. Like maybe they didn't, they didn't say that, you know? So maybe they said, oh, when I saw the news camera, my heart sank. So you could just, I'm assuming like you would nod and then maybe yes. wait and see if they're going to say more. Wait that- time. Yes. Wait is one of the biggest things. Um, saying mm-hmm or yeah. Um, also clarification. So you say, what I heard you say was this, did you mean this? And then you allow them the chance to describe it instead of saying you said this. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there becomes, there's a communication barrier there. Wow. Okay. I'm actually, so a segment we have on the show is tips or tricks. So since I'm not, I mean, my tip or trick, I guess, will just be to picture yourself being a heart with ears. And I've only really learned this outside of my SLP life. But I think if I had a student who has gone through some trauma or even, you know, like they're telling me something that happened at home, right? That was a hard day for them. I want to like picture that, you know, like I'm just here to listen and really like let them get it out. So you're, you're saying clarification, right? That's a type of technique. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you would ask them like, oh, did you mean this? Yeah. And like wait for them to clear it up. Uh, increase your wait time. Yes. And we hope- should be doing that with, with these special needs students as, as well. Agreed. Wait time is so important. So you need to be doing this with everyone. When you see a typical kid, don't, don't just count them out saying they don't need wait time. Yes, they do. Absolutely. Yes. And have you noticed like, um, when you do pause and wait, a lot of times they might just want to talk to kind of like fill that space. Yeah. I notice that when I'm in my therapist's office and I talk the whole time and I'm like, she's so good at active listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, no, it's definitely a technique and, um, just, you're right. It's a great effective therapy strategy to begin with, let alone a counseling strategy. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So wait time. It's the best tip or trick, I think. The best. So can you tell us a little bit more about your Instagram and where the listeners can find you? Sure. Um, on Instagram, I'm at ptsd.slp. And um, on Facebook, I have, it, it kind of turned into more of a support group. I think it's PTSD resource for SLPs. Um, and PTSD it, resource for SLPs? Yes. Um, and that's more of a support group kind of thing that, um, people post questions and they can see it in a public forum on Instagram. If someone has a question, people aren't going to look through all the comments for something. I usually post about that and then I'll double up. I'll post whatever I post on Instagram on there. Um, but those are the two main places. And, uh, I post a lot of stories, post a lot of memes. Um, and like I said, with the, I follow a lot of counselors And when I find information that they post, I love uh, posting it and explaining it a little bit further in ways that we can understand um, and ways that we can use in speech and language therapy. I think that's like so like great of you and so like, like life changing that you (laughs) went through. No, it's true because you went through something tragic, not to bring that up again, this is the last time bringing it up, but like you are actively working on that, you know, for your own healing, but now you want to help others who, who could just be working with kids from trauma, right? Doesn't have to necessarily be the exact same situation that you and your students went through, but 
it could be something similar and you're really giving you're being a resource right you no know? and, and and an area that we need resources i think now, of it all the time what happens when one of my students transfers to a school in within our state out of our state and they get another slp that says oh they're a bad kid oh they're adhd when it's really not they're just they're traumatized and they're triggered by something and you need to be able to separate those differences or think what else could this be and the trauma informed mantra kind of is, is just you don't know everything and kind of just give everyone a chance give everyone give everyone the benefit of the doubt right yeah. Absolutely. And I guess that's a lot easier said than done. So it's great that you're saying this as a verbal reminder for everyone, right? Me too, myself included. So, wow. So that was such a great episode. But just before we end, if you could end us with a quote that you like, um, that maybe helps you get through your day or just anything motivational you would like to share. Uh, did I say you're not a trauma detective enough? <laughs> or, um, you could do it. You could, no. that could be your quote. You are not a trauma detective. <laughs> exactly. So what I mean by that is just don't go prying into people. What happened to you? That's, that's not what you're there for. Mm-hmm. You are there to um, support and, and help guide and know who to go to to get this to the right people. Um, right. You're, you're the, the same person. You're a listener, right? You're an active listener. Yes. That's great. And that's, you're right. Hard for SLPs, but, and I think just because like, I think because of the nature of our field where we're supposed to assess, right? Diagnose, treat, yeah. we are in a sense, an investigator with that, but yes. we have to put that on the back burner sometimes. Yes. And that's where I think this field meet requires more training because we're just, we're operating from what our training is like, Oh, we got to figure this out. And maybe I have to refer and maybe they need counseling and maybe they need a dietitian for a new diet. I don't know. You're trying to like figure it out, right? Solve the problem. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing in this situation. Right. Exactly. So I'm glad that you spelled that out for everybody nice and clearly. <laughs> so. Rachel, it's been such a pleasure. You are a plethora of knowledge. I will, we will tag you in all the posts so everyone can follow you and learn from you. So thank you very, very much for coming on the show. Is there any last words you have before we end this great interview? No, I appreciate you guys for having me. And I was so excited to have met you at ASHA and I learned so much from your podcast. So I'm happy you guys have that out there. And I think you are making a difference. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I just do what I do. I drink and I listen and I talk. (laughs) Exactly. Eat, drink, talk, and listen. Those are like my four favorite things, you know? That's all I'm doing. But thank you, Rachel. Ciao. Bye.